You're listening to WLXU 93.9 LPFM Lexington, Lexington Community Radio. And this is Birth Aloud with Kristen Piscucci. I'm an advocate for women's rights in childbirth, founder of Birth Monopoly, co-creator of the Exposing the Silence Project, a national photography project on birth trauma, and former vice president of Improving Birth, the nation's largest consumer-based maternity care advocacy organization. You can learn more about my work at birthmonopoly.com. Today we're joined by Caroline Malatesta. Caroline sued her hospital for negligence and fraud after she was assaulted in the delivery room with her fourth baby in 2012. She had switched to Brookwood Medical Center midway through that pregnancy based on their advertising campaign that said they allowed women choice and autonomy and support for their decisions about birth. She confirmed her birth plan with her doctor at Brookwood before switching and thought she was good to go for a low intervention, unmedicated or natural birth. She would be free to move around, and be in whatever position she needed to be in to have her baby. However, when she arrived in labor that day, she got a very different service than was promised. If you want to read her account in detail of her her own words about what happened, you can read that at birthmonopoly.com slash Caroline. Hi, Caroline. Hey, Kristen. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. I know you're I know you're at home right now in Birmingham with your four kids. So everyone bear with us if um if we hear little feet in the background or little voices. <laughs> so I just started to talk about your story a little bit. Can you tell us briefly what happened when you got to the hospital that led to your lawsuit? Um sure. I was due with my fourth baby and I switched from St. Vincent's here in Birmingham to Brookwood because of their promises that you talked about. Um, to support natural birth. And I hired a doula, prepared myself, made a birth plan and thought I was good to go because I truly believed everything I had been told. Um, And I was really well prepared for birth, but not for the hostile environment that I was unknowingly entering. Um, So when I arrived in my room already well into labor, um, pushback against the plans I made with my doctor began immediately starting with my nurse uh, telling me I had to be on my back in the bed. um, And it was all downhill from there, ending with my nurse wrestling me to my back uh, against my will and another nurse holding my baby in as I was screaming stop until the doctor arrived. Um, And it also ended in me me sustaining a horrible and permanent nerve injury. Yeah. And so you and I started communicating at some point after that, after you had decided to file a lawsuit against the hospital when you couldn't get answers about what had happened and why things were so different than what they had promised. So fast forward, you know, a couple years, your case goes to trial and um, I attended that trial and sat there for two weeks and watched that whole thing happen. There have been articles all over the place about it. Um, We've talked about it publicly quite a bit, but there's a piece of the story that I know you haven't been comfortable talking about publicly um, because of the trauma that you associate with it. And that had to do with 
your doula and the other doulas in your community of Birmingham and how they responded to what happened to you and when you stood up for yourself by filing a lawsuit, um, which was ultimately successful and the jury awarded you and your husband $16 million. So tell me, tell me what happened with, with your doula and with the, the doulas in the community that you felt caused you trauma. Um, yeah, this is actually something that a lot of my professional counseling focused on um, and narrowed in on was something I didn't even realize at first was that I felt very betrayed um, by the doula community. And I'm not saying that's their fault, but I did feel I was dealing with a sense of betrayal. Um, and so if I start back at the beginning, a few weeks after my birth, I had my postpartum visit with my doula. And I think it's important for me to note that she wasn't physically present during the moment when I was wrestled to my back. Um, my guess from looking at my medical records and the chronology of events um, recorded in them is that she arrived around two minutes before my delivery. So she didn't see everything. Um, but I did try to express my frustrations related to the whole birth. Um, Caroline, when you say your delivery, do you mean when the baby actually came out? So yes. while he was being held in? Right. So she would have been there for that. But she, was, she ran in. There was a room full of people. And she is looking me. She is at the bedside just like a couple feet from my face looking me straight in the eyes during that whole time. So I doubt she even saw what was going on, you know, at the under, other end of the bed. Um, and I was totally out of control and she was focused on calming me down. Um, but during the postpartum visit, I did try and express some of my frustrations and sort of try and, you know, talk about a little bit why I was disappointed. And somehow the conversation kept moving in a positive direction. Do you mean disappointed in her or disappointed in the birth? The birth. I, w I was not disappointed in um, the way she handled it in the birthing room. I do wish I had had more information ahead of time um, because I wouldn't have been in that situation to start with, but she could not have helped me. It was too late at that point. So perhaps that was her well-intentioned attempt to help me process the birth in a positive light for my own benefit. Um, but the end result was me feeling invalidated and just sort of staying quiet about that. Um, and it was probably self-imposed to some degree because this, this positive tone made me feel like I didn't have permission to be negative. And I felt almost as if expressing that my birth was a disappointment was somehow a reflection of what, of how she performed as a doula. Like if I said I was unhappy with my birth, I was insulting her personally, which we know is not true. But, and so meanwhile, during the immediate postpartum period, I was emailing with a trusted girlfriend telling her exactly what happened and exactly how I felt. No candy coating. And she validated my feelings and encouraged me to open up more. And it was interesting months later to reread the difference in my communications to my doula versus a trusted friend. Um, and I'm not upset at my doula at all for the way the conversation played out. And I bet if I had kept pushing and saying, no, I'm not okay. And I appreciate you trying to make me feel good about my birth but what happened is not okay. I know she would have listened and validated my feelings. You know, in, in hindsight, I can say basically we were both unprepared for handling a traumatic event and how to deal with that. You know, also something I want to say is something that I've noticed now that my story has gone public 
and a lot of women have subsequently contacted me. Women sometimes feel the need to have permission to complain about their births. They have a healthy baby and society tells us that's all that matters and that complaining is selfish, um, but their births still gnaw at them. And I've had many yeah, women- Yeah, that's so common. Yeah, yeah, I've had many women in my own community who approach me and uh, tell me they've read my story and use that as a segue into their own story. And the conversations start casually and it's almost like they're throwing out tidbits and feeling, feeling out, you know, are you going to be receptive to what I have to say? And as the conversations unfold, they tell me things that they don't feel comfortable, didn't feel comfortable telling their husbands, their family, their friends, and quite often their own doulas. Um, so I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I've certainly experienced that numerous times with women um, hearing their, you know, sometimes, sometimes I've been the first person they've ever told their whole birth story to. And it might've been three months later, six months later, a year later, a couple of years later. Um, I remember last year at some point, a woman came up to me at some conference where I was speaking and said, she said something like, you know, my, my baby was born, I, I can't remember how many years ago it was, but it, I mean, this is like a grown, her, she had a grown child and she was like, I've never actually processed what happened in that birth. Wow. Um, you know, never really felt comfortable talking to anyone about it. Um, yeah. So that's, that's definitely, that is a real thing and a really common thing, I think. Um, well, I yeah. mean, can you tell me a little bit more about the conversation with your doula when you say like, you just felt like it kept going in a positive direction. So do you feel like you were throwing out those feelers and those tidbits to your doula and she just wasn't picking up on them or what? Yes. Um, that's what I was doing. Cause I didn't know I had a permanent injury at that time. So I felt a little guilty, you know, here I have this healthy baby in my arms and I felt a little guilty talking about my birth experience because I felt like, okay, I'm going to eventually heal. I mean, it's not okay that I have injuries that in my gut I know are not, should not have happened. I'm eventually going to heal and I'll move on. So I felt guilty. Um, but had she asked certain questions, you know, I probably would have opened up a little bit more in the way I did to my friend over email. Um, or made you feel safe to be honest. Right. Right. Okay. So, so that was your experience with your doula um, at the birth and postpartum. So what about, I, so I guess next we need to go to a break and then we can get into the reaction from the larger doula community, which I know was maybe even more um, bothersome to you after the fact. So let's go to a quick break and we'll be right back with Birth Aloud and Caroline Malatesta. And we're back with Birth Aloud and Caroline Malatesta. We were just talking about the interaction she had with her own doula following being assaulted during birth, and um, which she didn't know at the time, but she had sustained a permanent life-altering nerve injury. So tell me what the reaction was, or, or why did you even reach out to the larger doula community at all after that? I guess I started with the doula community because I felt like, I mean, I obviously couldn't reach out to the medical community. Um, I actually did and was obviously shut down pretty quickly. 
Um, but I felt like they would understand these. But reach that, out, reach out for what? Um, guidance, support. Um, is this? Am I? I'm, I can't be alone in this. Can you, you know, hook me up with other women who've gone through this? I just didn't even know what I even needed. I just needed to start with someone who could help point me in the right direction. I mean, at the time, you didn't know you had an injury, right? Like a permanent uh, injury. Several. Well, I just, I just moved along. And then when the permanent injury started coming out is when I reached out to the larger birth community. Um, and I did not, I had not decided I was going to file a lawsuit or anything at that point. I'm just trying to figure out what in the heck happened. Like this can't be right. And um, help make sense of it. And so several months after my birth, when my nerve injury had reared its ugly head and come out full force, I reached out to um, the doula community and I was confused and struggling with how my birth went. And I thought that they could be understanding and possibly even help me. Um, my own doula had since moved out of town. So I reached out to uh, a few local doulas through a mutual friend to see if um, those doulas could connect me with other women who had experienced what I did or who were going through something similar at all. Um, and most refused to talk to me, but one doula did, and she was excited, seemed excited to help me at first when we talked, but then she called back, um, after talking to the head doula and her group and in a sort of somber tone said something along the lines of, well, so-and-so, you know, the main doula said, we've worked too hard to form relationships with hospitals, so we shouldn't associate with her. And that hit like a knife in my heart. Um, even hearing the word not associate with her, like I was something bad. Um, and it became crystal clear to me that doulas weren't interested in even talking about my abuse, much less even associating with me. Um, after all, the relationship with my abuser was too important. And I guess I, this is where the trauma begins and the counseling begins is that I was expecting the exact opposite because I naively thought that doulas were advocates for women, for birthing women, not advocates for hospitals. And it stung really badly. I felt incredibly isolated and alone because of that response. And I've never really gotten over it. And frankly, it almost silenced me um, and stopped me in my tracks right there. Um, wow. That That's huge. You know, yeah, you I and I have talked like before, like how, like it has always struck me how interesting it is that you seemed to me to be so much more hurt by the doula's response than you were even by the actual nurses who did the thing that was so bad, like on a, like on a personal, like gut level. Um, I always thought that was so interesting that you kind of like gave the nurses a little bit of a pass, you know, like, well, they were just following orders, but the doulas really bugged you. Um, and I think that's really, really interesting because I think you're right when you say, you know, there's like, there's a unique sense of betrayal there because you do expect doulas to be on the side of, of their client, you know, the community of their clients, um, right. On the side of, of women. So yeah. Right. And, you know, and, and, you know, you and I actually disagreed about that quite a bit as well, <laughs> just, just to make that point. But, right. um, and, and that's not to invalidate at all what you're saying. In fact, like, that's why we're having this conversation. Right. Um, 
I think it's important for doulas to hear this perspective. I'm not saying, you know, we are not saying, you know, Caroline's right, they were wrong or like anything like that. I think it's just really important for this perspective to get out there um, for doulas to just absorb it and think about it and maybe integrate it into whatever they're doing. Nobody wants to be traumatizing women. Right. Um, yeah. And when this happened to me, I thought to myself, if doulas won't have my back, who will, you know, if it isn't, if this isn't important enough to doulas to address it, much less even associate with me, who could possibly even care? And so I was almost silenced and I can't help but wonder how many other women are unintentionally silenced, um, by doula reactions. Um, but yes, I guess partly I feel like a simple warning could have prevented a lifelong injury. Um, and I did, I did, I guess there was a unique sense of trust that I did have. When you say a simple warning, um, I had kind of a gut-wrenching moment um, during your trial when you were on the stand being questioned by the hospital's lawyer, by the defense lawyer. And the lawyer basically asked you, well, you had a doula, right? You said, yeah. And he said, well, so didn't, if you're claiming that Brookwood was not friendly to natural birth, wouldn't your doula know that? Didn't she tell you? And you right. were just like, no, she didn't say anything. And I remember kind of like my eyes going big, like, like horrified looking at the jury as I put two and two together of what that would look like to a group of everyday average, you know, Alabama citizens hearing that this professional had this knowledge about this hospital and made the decision not to share that knowledge with the person who hired her to, you know, help support her through a birth there. Um, and of course, I know very well the crazy dynamics between doulas, hospitals, you know, women, and um, all of the reasons why doulas feel like they have to be silent. But it made it very, very real looking over at the jury and just knowing exactly what they were thinking, which was, how could she not tell her? And thinking how that cast doubt on your story that what? that doulas um, that that particular doula was silent about this, and then also knowing that all these other doulas had been silent, you know, and had been a little bit, you know, um, standoffish with you. And I was just like, oh my goodness, like this is a moment right here and we need to really talk about this. This is a big deal. Right. That was, that was probably the hardest part in the trial for me because it just like cemented and solidified that feeling of betrayal, which was after, you know, everything was validated when I got the verdict, but I, that was the one thing that was still left that I still had to deal with because you know, I think when Brookwood was touting their orientations and meetings with doulas, um, you know, in the courtroom as one of their main defenses against me, you know, they knew that no doula in Birmingham is, is going to 
stand up against them. They know they can get away with it. And what's interesting is that during the discovery phase of my trial, I was given access to comments that those doulas had written or feedback back they had given to the hospital in the very orientations they were, you know, bragging about. And the feedback was horrible. The, the doulas even used terms, and this orientation was before my birth, so they knew about it and I knew it. Uh, they even used terms like hostile to natural birth when describing some doctors. So it was very upsetting to me to know that doulas knew this all along and didn't warn me because had I been warned about the possibilities, I would, have tried, I would not have tried a natural birth at Brookwood and I would not have been injured and my whole life would be different. And, and I know my very own doula had seen women told to get on their backs because I've since talked to her clients and I've talked to clients of other doulas. No, no doula group in Birmingham is immune from, um, from these things happening. And I, I also felt a little bit betrayed because I had been charged money for going to a class where I learned all about these birthing positions, but never once told, even though I knew she'd already seen it in hindsight, never once being told that I may be forced to my back for long stretches of time and may be forced to my back for delivery based on physician preference. That's tough and that's tricky. So when you say if you had had a clue that this was even a possibility, you would not have even attempted a natural birth. Um, to back that up really quickly, I know that in your first three births prior to this one, you had had like a, a typical Birmingham, Alabama medical birth with, you know, epidural and Pitocin and episiotomy and the whole nine yards. I, and I know that I asked you at some point, did you, you really didn't have any clue that Brookwood wouldn't be supportive? You know, that, that, that hospitals don't just give you exactly what you want every time. Like it's, you know, ordering off a menu. You were like, no, absolutely not. I definitely had absolutely no idea that my wishes would not be a hundred percent supported. Like I did my research. I looked at all their materials. I met with a doctor at Brookwood and went over it with him. And then we talked about a birth plan and he was totally on board and never gave you any indication that, that you would have to fight for any of this stuff. But then I remember afterwards when you went back to talk to him about what had happened, he said something different. That's right. I went to my postpartum visit um, and I went three times in a period where most women would go once because I just knew something was wrong, but I wasn't quite sure. And I asked, I was just frustrated. And I asked, how in the world is a woman supposed to have a natural birth at a place like this? And he looked at me and casually responded, they generally have to be aggressive. And I remember just being shocked and he said it as if, of course, they have to be aggressive. Um, and of course, come trial time, he completely denied saying that. Wow. I, you know, it's just such a messed up, it's such a messed up system. Something that's so normal to someone within the system is really abnormal and untrue to the average person looking in. 
Right. At least that's my take on it. We in, you know, who deal, who are in maternity care all the time get so used to these stories that, you know, deceiving women is just, it's like par for the course. And you just, um, it's like this, it's like the normalization of this, this kind of abuse where everyone's like, well, you know, you don't always get what you want and, you know, things happen and sometimes birth is unpredictable and all these things where we gloss over the fact that someone is acting very inappropriately, that there is um, deceit or abuse or uh, bullying happening or disrespect happening. Right. And I think that's what um, happened with our jury. This is a, a group of men and women with totally fresh eyes realizing that this is, <laughs> this is unacceptable, but it's almost become the norm to everyone else. So that's, you know, one of the challenges of this quote broken system that we hear so much about. And that's why I think it's so important um, that doulas don't withhold information or candy code information and stand up against this broken system that harms women because otherwise they're really just becoming part of this broken system. And after all, I don't, I don't think doctors or nurses set out an OB with the evil goal of abusing women. I truly, in my heart, believe that they just go with the flow of the broken system. And next thing they know, they're part of it by virtue of trying to fit themselves into it instead of standing up for it, uh, standing up against it and speaking out um, for what's right. Amen. Amen. Sister. We need to go to a break and we'll be back with the final segment with Caroline Malatesta on Birth Aloud. Okay, we're back for our final segment of Birth Aloud Radio with Caroline Malatesta, who won $16 million in a lawsuit against her hospital after being flipped on her back and having her baby held in during an unmedicated childbirth. Caroline, you mentioned PTSD counseling or counseling before, and I think it's important to clarify for people that that was for post-traumatic stress which I know a lot of people don't associate with childbirth, obviously, but this is a real thing. And, you know, there's, uh, there's a good amount of research out there about PTSD associated with childbirth. And it's kind of shocking how many women have symptoms of, or, you know, diagnoses of PTSD related to childbirth. And a, and a large portion of that has to do with the way they were treated, not that there was a medical complication in the birth. And I think right. that is, really, really super important for people to understand. That is um, the case for me. Yeah. So, um, so talk to me about that. Um, yes. I've actually had a good bit of professional counseling. Um, in my case, it's, it's ended up being more specifically related to the response of the doula community um, than the injury itself. And a psychologist from a local academic hospital reached out to me upon hearing my story and got me plugged in with a very specialized program they have for PTSD uh, counseling. And it was very helpful for me to understand um, PTSD is um, very related to trust. So my counselor looked at me and told me, I think that you are emotionally healing from the fact that you have a horrible physical injury. It's the way it happened and the way people responded to it that you trusted. Um, so anyway, these strong feelings I had were related to betrayal by the very people I expected to raise their voices against 
abuse and injustice. Um, as advocates for women, doulas in the community. That's what I expected. Yet they were some of the ones, the only ones, to stay dead silent. Silent publicly. Now, they were pro supportive privately, but they wouldn't stand up for me publicly, and I needed that validation. Um, meanwhile, women all over the country rallied around me in support. Um, and come trial, even the jury rallied around me. And after the re they read the verdict, um, you know, they were hugging me and very supportive of me. And I noticed the court reporter was even wiping away her tears. Um, I believe it became personal to the jury. And my own pelvic pain doctor at Brookwood, the very hospital I was suing, being his hospital, um, and he is a strong Christian, was brave enough to testify, even though he wasn't specifically testifying for me or for the hospital. He told the full truth, which was clearly in my favor, and he knew that. And he knew he may, you know, receive some flack for that. Um, and he easily could have twisted the truth a little for his own convenience. Um, so all these people I never expected to stand up for me did. And yet from the doulas, the ones I did expect to stand up for me, there was nothing but deafening silence. And at this point, I knew these doulas were very familiar with what's really happening because I talked to their clients. Yeah. Well, in fact, um, so something, something I see often when someone kind of names a hospital and comes out and says, this thing happened to me, is you see a lot of, oh, well, well, I gave birth there and it was wonderful and they were great. Or, you know, someone else saying, I work at that hospital and that's not possible. There's this, this disconnect of people saying, well, so you're talking about your experience, but I'm looking at this through the lens of my experience, which is that didn't happen to me. Therefore, it couldn't have happened to you. Right. And how devastating this is. This wasn't like you bought a dress and like, <laughs> the hem, you know, the hem was crooked and you're really disappointed in your product. Like this is a really big deal. And people made really bad decisions in that room. Like these were, these were heinous, egregious things. These weren't just little slip ups. Like this wasn't just, you know, like a negligence thing. This was a, an active physical aggression against another human being or two human beings actually. And I remember you saying something really, really profound when we were talking about kind of the relationship between birth trauma and abuse in birth and sexual abuse and assault. Do you remember what you said, who you related this to? Because yes. it felt like a punch in the gut when you said it. And go ahead. Sorry. No. Yes, I do. And since we're talking about something as serious as PTSD, I do feel the need to mention, like you said, that this is serious violations of rights, not mistakes. And um, so I do hear from doulas sometimes things like, and from women, oh, they're working hard to get better as if, you know, somehow working hard is all that's needed. Um, but to me, abuse is a zero tolerance thing, if that makes sense. Um, until it stops completely, it should not be tolerated. And so I remember the analogy that I'd made to you once, and it's a strong analogy, um, but I remember saying that Brookwood is my Brock Turner. 
And again, because I'm making such a strong analogy, I feel the need to clarify this is not medical mistakes. We're talking about being physically wrestled, my vagina being manhandled as I'm screaming stop, and my sexuality destroyed. Wow. So, yeah, that's an assault. That is not a mistake. And we both know, you and I are hearing enough stories now that we know that mine is not an isolated event. So to, to go on with that analogy, um, I'm sure plenty of women have gone out with Brock and not been raped. But by no means would it be socially acceptable for anyone to speak up and say, hey, I had a great experience with Brock, and therefore he's a great guy. Right, yeah. Or, or yeah, or like, Brock's working really hard to change, and he only rapes women sometimes now, so we support him. Right, so like, lay off him. <laughs> right, right. Like, he's getting better, and that's all that matters. Forget. And I'm still going to recommend my girlfriends date him. Right. Forget all the people, you know, destroyed and left in his wake, <laughs> you know. Anyway, so the idea of doing that would be unconscionable. Um, so plenty of women have had, likewise, have had great experience at, at hospitals. But that doesn't excuse even one abuse being left unaddressed. And I feel personally like doulas are somewhat enabling that. Um, now, now, of course, repentance or remorse would change the whole situation um, and allow them to move on. But instead, Brookwood dug their heels in and denied what they have done to women. You know, horrible, horrible things. Um, so after running a huge marketing campaign centered around the new women's center and being all about comfort and choice and autonomy, Brookwood came into court and testifies that autonomy is not first priority when considering treatment in a birthing room. And yes, I, I actually, by the way, have that in quotes, as you've seen before. They testified not all doctors support natural birth and that doctors' preferences trump a mother's. Yes, I, mean, I remember hearing that. That, yeah. was, that was a shocker. And yeah. to me, how can doulas support that in the absence of any remorse or acknowledgement of their past ways? So to me, until Brookwood, you know, acknowledges and apologizes to all these women they've harmed, doulas, they do not deserve the praise, the public praise of doulas. And I think the public praise enables them to continue in their way. Well, yeah, and I think people need to understand that. Brookwood never apologized. They... Right defended themselves and they blamed you um as much as they could they uh, i mean it, it was ugly it was ugly yes they gave my nurse an award for going above and beyond the call of duty and that to me was like a slap in the face yeah that was kind of incredible yeah well, and I, I do want to say, you know, we've talked about some really heavy stuff today, and we are talking about one city in the country. The doula population is very diverse. The climate for birth and birthing women is very diverse. Um, the situations that you're talking about are not, this doesn't apply to every doula, every woman all over the country. Birmingham is a really unique place for a lot of reasons. But like you were just saying with the with the Brock Turner analogy, that doesn't mean we don't talk about it. That doesn't mean we pretend like this is an anomaly and it doesn't deserve to be spoken about because this is important. You right. deserve that. 
the other women in your community deserve that. And this is a theme to some extent in other areas of the country as well. Now, I know for a fact that there are doulas listening to this who are absolutely appalled. And I'm probably going to get a ton of messages saying, my God, I would never have behaved that way. Our community would never behave that way. We don't behave that way. And I want to acknowledge that. At the same time, this is a real experience that you had. And in some ways, it has never been resolved because Brookwood denied it, blamed you, never apologized, and went on its merry way after paying out some money. So, right. yeah. So just to, just to get some perspective on the whole thing. And I know that we actually have a short show today. Um, and I know that you have to get going. But... Is there anything you want to share as a final thought before we sign off here? Um, yeah. So um, something that I do think about a lot now that I understand the dynamics uh, between doulas and hospitals a little bit more um, and the things I understand a little bit more from you about the issues doulas are facing. And I've talked more to doulas in the community um, as a result of the publicity of my story. Um, and I feel like there's this big controversy controversy over whether doulas are supposed to be advocates or for women or to what degree they are. And, and perhaps the doulas are feeling, you know, pulled between advocating versus standing back. Um, and maybe they should consider that they aren't the cause of, nor are they responsible for the problems with the system. So, yes, just yes. like many... Yeah, and, and just like many other areas in life, commu good communication can solve or help solve a problem. So, um, you know, these doulas, they're there to be with women who are trying to navigate a system, right? And to me, information is the most important thing you can do when you're helping anyone navigate anything in life. Fair? Um, and I recently had a uh, very seasoned Birmingham doula tell me that she only warns women about the realities of the hospital if they ask. And then she said she feels like some women aren't, quote, ready to hear that information. And so she doesn't tell them because if she comes out of the gate with that information, they'll be turned off and walk away and then she won't be able to help them. And that was really, really hard for me to hear because you know, I know just from listening to doulas so often that empowering women is a large part of their mission. You hear that word a lot, empowering women during their births. And to me, the holding back of information is what permanently injured me. Well, no, that's not fair to say. Um, I would not have walked into that minefield. I didn't know I was walking into a minefield and I wouldn't have walked into the minefield if somebody had told me. So it's no doula's fault by any means. Um, but I think by holding back information, doulas are unintentionally creating a victim that they then are left to try, often unsuccessfully, to save. And that, to me, is the opposite of empowerment. So to withhold information so you can save them from themselves or their unwillingness to listen to the truth doesn't empower them. And to me, I strongly, strongly believe that the best way to empower a woman is to arm her with information that enables her to make her own autonomous informed decisions. And to me, that's part of emotionally supporting a woman for birth 
you know, giving her information that makes her more ready for the birth. And that may include negative information about her, you know, chosen birth setting. Yeah. Well, you've hit on um, a super controversial topic among doulas, which is sorry, the word advocate. No, that's okay. I mean, it's, it has to be talked about is the idea of advocacy. Um, And I know to you, this doesn't have any political connotations. Um, It's just a word that means what you exactly what you think it means to you. Um, And yet within the doula world, there is a lot of chatter about whether or not doulas advocate if they're advocates. And that is a a topic for another show. Um, (laughs) It's something that we talk about pretty frequently in my doula membership group. Um, I happen to believe that doulas are advocates. However, doulas don't all have to be the same. That doesn't mean that every doula has to be an advocate. No. And if they do, doulas are diverse, just like clients are diverse. Um, but again, that's another, another conversation. Um, and I, and another, a third conversation or a second conversation is something you and I have talked before about your journey healing from PTSD. Um, I think you're one of maybe two people I know who have gen- like really truly recovered from PTSD. And that is a, that is a big statement. You know, many or most people carry that their whole lives and don't reach the kind of healing that you have reached. And I think that's something that um, we may talk about on another show, which we don't, we can't right. fit into, into this show, but um, I encourage people to look for that one because I think it's a really, I think it's a really cool story. I think many women could heal, you know, if they'd had, you know, having a verdict really helps and that's just not an option for a lot of people and it makes me sad. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for being here, Caroline. Thanks, Kristen. I love you. Love you too. This has been Birth Aloud with Kristen Piscucci. If you'd like to reach me with questions or show ideas or anything else, you can email me at birthaloudradio at gmail.com. Thanks for being here with us. We'll be back every other Sunday at 1 p.m. on WLXU. We'll see you next time.